Welcome to the Shape Sports Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first ever live broadcast on YouTube of the Shipe Sports Talk Show. I am your host, Matthew Shipe, alongside my co-host and producer, Paul. How are you doing today, Paul? Grabbed it well. How are you? Good. Also uh, joined by Brad through Skype. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Great, Shipe. Thanks for having me on the show again. I really enjoy it. And also our new special guest today, Guillermo Raldo. Guillermo, how you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good, good. Thank you all for joining me today. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into um, today on the show. We're going to talk some NFC, AFC championship games, you know, the, what we liked, what we didn't like, how every team did. Uh, then we're getting some Washington national news. I mean, they made some big moves since the last time Brad, me, and you talked. Uh, they went out, they traded Tyler Clipper away, and they signed free agent pitcher Matt Scherzer, the most highly sought free agent this year. Biggest splash. No one saw it coming. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, let's get right into the playoffs. Let's go with Packers and the Seahawks. Seahawks won the game 28-22 in overtime. Um, My first thoughts on this game was the Packers dominated the Seahawks throughout the entire game. The defense held Russell Wilson in check. I mean, he threw four interceptions. And then with five minutes left, Seahawks just they took the game away from the Packers. The Packers had the game in their grasp. Seahawks forced a couple three and out. And it went from there. Seahawks, you know, scored a touchdown, got the onside kit, scored another one, two-point conversion. And then, you know, the Packers went down, got the tying field goal, and then in overtime, Russell Wilson got the ball, 35-yard touchdown to Curse, and there it is. That's the end of the Packers season over with. Uh, first go, Brad, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, you have to applaud Seattle for their relentless effort of playing down to the wire, never giving up when you know it, it seemed like this one really slipped out of their you know out of their grasp and you know they, they showed up very very un Seattle like you know they came out weak came out soft you know Packers really did a great job defensively confusing Russell Wilson obviously multiple interceptions uh, but then offensively Eddie Lacy was able to get going Rodgers you know, was moving the ball well so so you know, Seattle never quit uh, you know and, and they they started doing whatever you had to do to win, you know, and Green Bay, first thing you learn for, for these players when you're young is you, you play the whole game, you know, so, so these guys really lost, you know, lost the mental edge that they had over Seattle, and you could tell, that, you know, once the wheels started turning Seattle's way, you know, Packers got nervous, they got closer, and then it unfolded the way it did, so Seattle credit, Packers, you know, it's, uh, it's too bad. All right, thanks for that, Brad. Uh, Guillermo, let's show your uh, thoughts on the game. I mean, honestly, I I didn't really care who won the game. Uh, Packers had it in their hands. Just, I mean, the defense just let go. Two mental mistakes on on special teams and on uh, yeah, you could say on special teams, onside kick, and then that that touchdown that gave them the momentum to go in with uh, the fake field goal and having a uh, Ryan with the touchdown. Um. Yeah, they just Green Bay played uh, played the the blueprint perfectly to beat Seattle. They intimidated them. How Seattle intimidates every other team in the playoffs. I mean, they must they must have done their uh, their homework on them. Clearly, they were playing like Denver in in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, like four four interceptions. Like 
guys were on them. They, they were they intimidated the receivers from the beginning. They intimidated Russell Wilson from the beginning, so they threw him out of his game. It's just, yeah. I mean, they even they said it. They said it was bad. It was it was a lucky game for them to win it. But luck's not going to be there next week or in two weeks against uh, New England. Yeah, I mean, it was luck was on their side. I mean, that two point conversion. That's horrible. I mean, Wilson went back to the 20-yard line, floated the ball up. I have no idea what the cornerback was doing there. That ball was in the air for a good five seconds, maybe even 10 seconds. And it should have been picked, should have been knocked it down. How do you let the guy catch the ball? I mean, if you don't if you don't let him catch the ball, when Aaron Rodgers drives down the field, Packers are going to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I mean, and then the onside kick, you know, I feel bad for Rodgers. I mean, he dropped the onside kick. He was having such a good day. He was making good catches for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had four receptions, 35 yards. You know, you feel bad for a guy like that. You know, you just, it's horrible. I mean, I can't imagine what he was going through at the end. But that defense for the Packers, I mean, they came to play. Morgan Burnett, two sacks, one one interception. Clay Matthews, you know, one sack. Clinton Ditson had two interceptions. Sam Shields, one. And Julius Peppers, everyone thought he was winding down the end of his career. He had a great season for this Packer team. He had one and a half sacks um, Sunday. It was a great season all around. It was great for the Packers. They had a great season. And you know what the question wonders is what happened to the healthy Aaron Rodgers? If you look at that final drive, Rodgers, you know, the last pass he did to Nelson to set up the field goal, he had the open space. He thought about running, but you could tell he stopped himself from running and threw it to Rodgers instead. I mean, if he he had the space for first down, if you have a healthy Rodgers without the torn calf, you know, he may have got the first down. We don't know for sure. I mean, he'll come back next year strong as ever. And this Packer team, mark my words, is not going anywhere for a while. They improve their defense. You know, they'll have B.J. Raji back next year. You improve on that. Their run defense will be better. I, I really think Raji makes a difference because with, with Raji in the lineup, I don't see Lynch going for 157 against his team in a touchdown because, I mean, in that middle, Raji's a big guy. I mean, he will block holes. But, you know, injuries happen, and they'll just have to wait till next season. I mean, give it to Wilson. I mean, towards the final drive, they started running the more uh, read option, and they didn't Packers didn't see it all game. And when they threw it out in the fourth quarter, the Packers weren't ready for it. And that's what happens. I mean, they kept it till the, when they needed it the most and it worked. And like I said, last week, you know, I said the Packers had to get Lacey going, which they did. He had more yards in the first game they had. He had 73. Uh, it's just Rogers. I mean, 178 yards. I mean, you may need more than that. And also the field goals. I mean, they had too many field goals. I mean, they forced all these turnovers and just got field goals after field goals. They didn't score on them. They had the one on the one-yard line the first quarter. They got called back. Jonathan Kuhn, who everyone thought was in but wasn't, you had those points, and the game is theirs. I mean, it's just a couple calls go their way, a couple, you know, anything goes their way, and Packers are in the Super Bowl. But you know what? This is playoff time. You got to finish games, and they didn't finish, and sadly the Seahawks took advantage of it. Yeah, Shrive, I think you're absolutely right. One thing, though, you know, you can't, you can't just assume that if Rodgers was healthy – they would have won this game. There was special team problems that 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 when Rodgers wasn't on the field, there's nothing you could do. Like when when your team gives up a passing touchdown to your holder, um, you know how is that Rodgers' fault? Or but not recovering that onside kick, how is that Rodgers' fault? In my opinion, Rodgers did everything he could have to put them in position to win. They were up 16-0 at halftime. Like there's no reason that defense and that special teams should have lost that game for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. That special team play touchdown was great. I mean, even I was faked on it. I was like, where's the ball? I mean, that was Seahawks. 
they did everything they could to win the game, and they did. They brought out all the stops, and that fake field goal, I mean, A.J. Hawk had two options. Either he goes for the passer or he goes for the receiver, and sadly, he chose wrong. Yep. All right, we're going to get into the next game now, which was the Colts versus the Patriots, and God, this if, game if you call was that just a game. I, <laughs> 45 to 7. I mean, the Patriots pretty much said, we're going to the Super Bowl, and God, from the get, I mean, I, I don't know what you say about this game. It was horrible. Colts, I mean, Andrew Luck, he's young. He's in his third year. He's going to have his more opportunities, but God, I wish they would put up more of a fight. I mean, this was a horrible game. I mean, Brady, Brady didn't even have a spectacular game. I mean, he only threw for 226, but he did have three <laughs> touchdowns. He had one interception. And like we said last week, you want to beat the Colts? What they do in week, the first time they play them? They ran the ball. What they do this time? Ladare Blunt, 148, three touchdowns. I mean, can't win a game if you can't stop the run. Uh, Andrew Luck, he'll be back. He'll be back in the situation again. I mean, he had a he didn't have such, he had a horrible game. He went twelve for thirty three, one hundred twenty six yards, two interceptions. It was not his best game. And I said last week when I was talking to Brad that they had to get the run game going. Dan Heron didn't get going at all. I mean, he only had ten carries, fifty one yards. I mean, they just they couldn't get any offense on offense, and their defense didn't come to play. And Tom Brady just did what Tom Brady does. He lit them up. Where did they play? In New England. Oh, yeah, did they? Yep. oh, okay. So there was actually people in the seats towards the end of the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh you mean like the fans Denver of the game. Seahawks that left? Yeah. 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 yeah, like Miami, Miami Heat game. Miami Heat all over again. Yeah, I bet you yeah. those fans were stu- felt stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That was a beating, though. Man. Yeah. Brad, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, Shrepe, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, New England did everything that they needed to do to win this football game. They, they strategized and... That's nothing outside the Patriots. You know, obviously they've been extremely well run for for years, and that, that you know that team's prepared for every single game. But you know what? When you think about this game, the Patriots were better than the Colts. How much better? We found out. You know, I think both you and I projected Patriots will win this game, which they did, and it was just you know a matter of how much better are the Patriots than the Colts. Um, you know, credit to the Patriots. They did a great job locking down T.Y. and taking that target away from Andrew Luck, you know, putting a double coverage on him and then having Rebus and Browner locked down on the other receivers. Uh, it was an incredibly great strategy, you know, literally getting T.Y. out of the game where Luck had really no other options uh, and then they couldn't run the football. Will Fork was, was big in the middle. Uh, I just... Dominant game I mean, for the Patriots. They looked absolutely great. Game plan was great. They looked healthy. Uh, they're going to be they're, they're going to be tough next uh, in the Super Bowl. And they really ran that weird formation that I didn't really see them run till this game, where they brought out um, they have Shane Vereen that comes out and he's not a qualified receiver, and they push him in the backfield and they run all these routes that just no one really never never seen before. And Bill Belichick, you know, he knows he's a, he knows how to win. I mean, the guy doesn't have much of a personality, but he can win a game. <laughs> yeah, he's, he doesn't talk much, but uh, in terms of his football <laughs> IQ, it's uh, obviously out of the roof. Look at his success that he's had. At least he talks more than Marshall Lynch. <laughs> True. Well, there's nothing you can do there with, with Lynch. I mean, something's wrong with him. But, yeah, with New England, I mean, the only the surprising thing about New England is you're ne- you never know who's going to be, like, the key player in the game. It could be Gronk one game. It could be Brady. It could be Edelman. Like, I didn't expect Blunt to do it. I mean, even though he did it last year or the last time he did, they played the Colts. 
it was like unbelievable. And I didn't expect Vereen or anybody. I, I thought Gray was going to get more action involved. But like Amendola, the game before, when he had those two touchdowns, it's, yeah, like Belichick has like a special IQ there where he knows like he's going to, it's like if he draws a hat and draws draws a name out of the hat and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to choose you to uh, to lead us to the victory. You know what? Give props to the Patriots for going out and getting Ladera Blunt. I mean, the guy left a game early when it was in Pittsburgh and, you know, Belichick went out, re-got him again. And tell you what, Belichick seems to have a way of making people play you know, pass, you know, with problems, well, except I th- for Hainsworth. I, th- I think it was the way that he used them. I mean, what was Blunt in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, they, they weren't really, they, they, didn't, they didn't know how to use him because they know. had Bell there. And the thing was about when he was in Pittsburgh was, you have Livion Bell, I mean, he would have been a great change of bait, change of pace pack, uh, back there, but they didn't use him. They just ran with Bell, and I thought that they underutilized him in Pittsburgh. He comes back, and Belichick knows how to use him. I mean, give, Belichick knows how to coach. See, but that's their whole environment. I mean, the Patriots are built around everyone knowing what to do at every minute so that everyone can be successful. And they don't care who gets the credit. They really don't. They They just want to win. That's a winning mentality in that organization. Everyone is a winner, and that stems from coaching. So if it's your night, everyone is prepared for it to be their night. The funny thing is about that organization is you never hear anything bad about them. I mean, the whole, I mean, the right deflate now. the football thing. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a couple things, you know, there's Spygate. There's, there's a couple there's things. There's a couple things, on. but it's not really, I don't even know what to say about this deflate the football. I mean, like, really? I mean, what are know? they talking about with that? Like, I didn't, I, I, I caught like a quick, like, I, news. I saw the video. It, I mean, I didn't see anything there. They're you, saying you they switched, switched the, the ball. balls in the bed to where they're less deflated. Like, honestly, the score. I don't think it would have made yeah, a difference whether it was deflated or inflated the defense, or not. The defense wouldn't have really cared yeah. if the balls were deflated or not. What do you think, Brad? Do you think it made a difference? Well, as to you said, LeGarrette Blunt had three rushing touchdowns. I don't know how a deflated ball has anything to do with uh, you just giving it right to his stomach and yeah. him running through people. I, I mean, <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's laughable. This is this is a joke with the deflated footballs. Like, come on, let's move on. They dominated. So, what's that gonna like help the team out? Like, I've never played like any kind of organized football before, other than just like playing in the, my backyard. But like, it's what easier is it to the, catch, uh, easier okay. to catch, catch and throw. Uh, if it's a little bit, little bit softer. I got gotcha. you. Okay, yeah, it's, it's like easier to make a grip. grip. So, like, if you try to, because if you have a, like a fully it's hard to put ball. Her, harder, harder to put a grip around. But if it's to play uh, a little bit, you can. Get your whole hand, get a firm grip on it. Well, what they were talking about was the ball that they had was a kicking ball. It was like a difference from a kicking ball through a regular, like, standard ball. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Sorry. Wouldn't made a difference. Patriots <laughs> it, it were going to win that have, game. I mean, it wouldn't have. That's just, I mean, like, because they would have, like, don't they already wear these, like, sticky hands, like, gloves or yeah. whatever that makes it easier to catch? So, I mean... I don't know. That just that like whole thing didn't really make sense to me. I just, I just like, think Indianapolis blew it out on uh on Denver. They gave everything on Denver and then totally forgot they had. By the way, did you all Brad oh. Guillermo, did you all catch what Grant said about the ball? Yeah, he said it's because he spikes it too hard with touchdowns. Oh, Grant, never a dull moment with that guy. That's a good one. Um, let's go with right back to the Seahawks game real quick. Two key injuries on that defense that could have fed Super Bowl is Richard Sherman sprained his elbow. And this is what gets me. He sprained his elbow. He goes back in. Obviously, you see him holding his arm like this. And that's, that's go after him. That's the main question. He can't tackle. He, obviously, it's hard to tackle, period. But with one arm, go after the guy. He has I mean, one arm. What as, are you doing? As good as Rodgers is, I, I thought he would have saw that and gone right to him. I would have 
thrown a screen pass to Lacey and said, come at me, Sherman. I Obviously, Sherman wasn't going to go after Lacey. No. And then Earl... For Chancellor or somebody to hit him hard. And then Earl Thomas dislocated his shoulder, and he says he's going to be ready, but I talked to Brad this week. Uh, yeah, at any moment, your shoulder can pop back out. I don't care if you take a quarter zone shot. Ain't going to save your shoulder from popping back out. Yeah, I mean, your body's been weakened. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to take more time to heal. It's, you know, dislocated shoulder. You would think, okay, just pop it right back into place, and you're good to go. No, it, it doesn't work like that. These injuries, uh, you know, take time to heal. Uh, I, I, I know Earl Thomas is going to play because he's a competitor. Sherman's going to play because he's a competitor. How effective will they be? Uh, we'll find out. Yeah, and... Um... I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, next week, uh, our show will be moving to Thursday, and we'll discuss the Super Bowl then, because I feel like it's too early going to any Super Bowl talk, because you still have to see what happens to the injuries. You know, who's going to play, who's not going to play, and I feel like next Thursday is a great opportunity to talk about that. I think it's two, I mean, it's two weeks away, because we have this thing called a Pro Bowl game coming up, which I think is a joke in the NFL. It's a joke. Honestly, yeah, honestly my, I think they should change it up like they do in basketball or in baseball. Whoever ha- wins the game gets, like, Home field advantage or something. We can't like do that. that though because Super Bowl's a national thing. <laughs> I think they should bring in they a skill competition. Give me a skill competition. That'd be awesome. Yeah, those are fun. Back to watch. in Hawaii, yeah, I, w- I would love to see that again. Yeah, someone like what the NBA does, dunk contest. Uh, you know, no one necessarily too much about uh, the, you know, the the skills dribbling uh, contest and the three point shooting contest is okay. But yeah, maybe if they try to do something like that where. Make your quarterbacks yep. throw in a target, like a tire. Exactly. At least get the fans involved. 40-yard like, dash like, competition. They love it. Yeah, 40-yard dash, uh, dash uh, pass, you know, pass punt and uh, and kick competition. You know, something like that where, you know, you, you, you kind of reduce the injury uh, percentage by quite, a, by, by quite a margin and still make it entertaining. Can we all agree if they had a catch competition or Dell Beckham Jr. would already win that? Just give him the trophy? I think Megatron would have something to say about that. I think Des Bryant will have a better chance. <laughs> I used There's to watch that stuff when I was younger, though, a lot. They used to have that on all the time, didn't they? What, the dunk contest? And stuff? Well, no, I uh, mean, just like the skills challenge. They did use that in the NFL, I believe, like, yeah. Dale Green won, like, the... the 40 competition every year he was in it. Well, that might yeah. date my age, but I remember, like, watching that when I was younger. That used to be fun to watch. Well, they said they were going to bring back um, veterans 40-yard uh, dash. Uh, oh yeah, the veterans is, coming back and doing it. What I did hear about the veterans is they're having a free agency combine this year. Do you all hear about that? They're mm-hmm. doing a combine for free agency this year, so you can go out and show. You know, look, I can still work the NFL. Tim Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tebow's making a good amount of money at the ESPN. I don't think he needs to do anything. Yeah, just with his words, not his arm. Um, speaking of you know, like All Star and Pro Bowl games, I still feel. Maybe I'm a little biased because I love baseball. But I feel like baseball has the best all-star game just because everyone loves the home run derby. And also, their all-star game is the only one that matters. Like, if you win, your team gets home. I mean, you get home field through the playoffs. And I wish, since the NBA and NHL do theirs in the middle of the season, I wish they would transfer that to the same way the MLB does because I feel like the NBA is more of like a globetrotter game. All they do is, you know, dunks and all this other stuff. If yeah, you made it matter, no defense involved. Yeah, if you made it matter, I think it'd be a little bit more interesting. I mean, I don't know how you two agree, but I think they, sh- I think the NBA and NHL should change to where it matters as well. I think, I think that's dangerous though, Shy, because the the significant amount of more contact that's involved in those sports really puts, <laughs> you know, 
injuries into perspective, I, I don't think the owners will go for it. I think if you know if you have Andrew Luck and you got Demarcus Ware pinning his ears back, gonna try and you know knock his face off. No way. Dan Ursay has no business with any of that. He doesn't want that at all. Well, no, 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 not for the NFL Pro Bowl. I mean, more for the NBA, NHL, where those matters, just like the MLB, since they're both halfway through the season. For uh, I, field. I, I could definitely see those more than NFL, but I, I just think, you know, obviously there's no defense played in the NBA All Star game. It's you know, it's just a showboating kind of globetrotter sort of uh, event that they do that they put on. Know, kind of for the fans where, you know, you can showcase some dunks or try and drop 50, w- whatever the case may be. I just, I wonder what the owners would say if they, you know, if they changed that and players started going a little bit harder. I just, I just don't know. I, I don't know if the owners would be okay with it. Uh, yeah, the owners one thing, but I don't, I, like the players as well. Like it, the fans that select the, the NBA players, like, Half of them don't even play defense. Harden, he barely plays. Carmelo, he doesn't even play a, a lick of defense. Don't at get all. me started on van fan voting because a couple of years ago, Tracy McGrady barely played anymore, and he made the All Star game. They had, so one, they had one with uh, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson played like three voting. games, and they asked them. They, Kobe Bryant as well. He was injured like half the season. Played like two games, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we want him." Well, it's thing. like last year. I think Matt Winters was an MLB All Star. He only played for a month of the season. How does that happen? <laughs> I know. I, what do you think, Brad? You think a month of the season you deserve to be an All Star? Well, I just, uh, if you hit a home run every day of that month, yeah. If if you're an All Star, you know that, that that's what's tricky about the fan vote. Like, if Kevin Durant didn't play a game right now, do you still think he's an All Star? They would put him in. It's well, a popular but, vote. But I'm asking you, Matt. Is Kevin Durant an All Star even if he hasn't scored a point this season because he hasn't been playing? You tell me. In terms of career, yes. In terms of this year, no, because he didn't des- he didn't he didn't deserve to make the All Star game this year because he hasn't played yet. But in terms of career and everything, yeah, he's an All Star. Okay, so I who's think- going in? Who's going in his place? Yeah, there's that's, the question. Yeah, that's pretty tough. There's the question. That, the West that has guy, a bunch of guys. That guy's more of an All Star than than Durant. You oh. know, I, like I, I get the fan vote in a sense. Sure, you should go kind of based off stats and production versus a fan vote but i mean the fans don't usually get it it too wrong obviously with Allen iverson three games that 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 might have been kind of like a courtesy let's put him in there one last time because he was great for the league and he's electric but yeah if if they if they were going to start taking it a little bit more serious put more emphasis on this game you'd have to start going based on figures rather than a fan vote yeah, but actually, you know, All Star Game. I'm starting to like now, and you probably you're not an MLS fan. Was I love when MLS soccer oh, they God. face the European teams, like when they face like Chelsea or Bayern. I think it's kind of cool to see Americans All Stars face against Europe and see how much terrible we are compared to European. Yeah, I think that's more of a joke. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to see how we match up against Europe's best, and it never works out in our favor. I would I would rather see retired like greats. Go against MLS stars. Speaking of retired greats, Ronaldo's coming back. Yep, Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Mm-hmm. Got ten percent of the team. Is that it's done? Well, he, he he already signed for ten percent of the team, so he owns ten percent. And then he said, "I'm gonna have a tryout with them, see what I can do." Oh wow! I mean, I mean he's, he hasn't been kept in shape, but loses about like fifteen pounds. He should be good to go. While we talk about soccer, Brad's just learning about soccer right now. 
I know about soccer. <laughs> it's, it's, it's over the bar, not over it. Oh, no, so I, I don't know about soccer. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to switch gears here and go right into baseball. We got to talk nationals. I mean, from when me and Brad were on last week, I mean, they made two moves. I mean, we lost Tyler Clipper to the A's. We got Escobar, who plays shortstop, but will probably be converted to second base. The Rizzo Billabean connection strikes again. And then the big news at Monday morning at 2 a.m., the Nationals officially announced they sign pitcher Matt Scherzer, formerly of the Detroit Tigers, for seven years, $210 million. Was he worth it? What do you think, guys? Brad, let's go to you first. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I say yes. <clears throat> I say yes, he's worth it. Um, but you look at Detroit's team and, and they've kind of been doing something similar to what the Nationals have been doing, which is putting together an incredible rotation. You know, they, they went and picked up Price last year and then, you know, they had Scherzer, obviously now a National, and, and Verlander at the time was pitching a little bit better, but you know, now that Detroit doesn't have Scherzer and, and the Nationals do, you really got to like, I mean, the way the Nats look in, in terms of the best rotation in the MLB. They they, 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 they really do. Uh, I think it's a great pickup, and uh, I'm happy he's going to be rocking the red. You know, a lot of people may disagree with this, but I think your opening day starter is Scherzer over Strasburg. I mean, I would go with him opening day. You almost you almost hate to say, but Strasburg is probably the number three pitcher on the staff behind Scherzer and Zimmerman now. I mean, national fans, yeah, they yeah. love Strasburg. They don't want to admit it, but he is potentially the number three starter on this team now. I and mean, that's saying something about this uh, rotation. Well, what about Fister? I mean, he Fister, can make it. Fister, I mean, he had a, yeah, he has a good case of making it in the third. All these, all these pitchers now and are then, all number ones. And then Gio, Gio had a bad year last year. Yeah, year Gio, that. Gio didn't. Do so well. I mean, 2012 was his best year, and then he kind of just started going a little bit downhill as both years. But you know, it should be a bounce back year. But I mean, look at this rotation this year: it could be Scherzer one, Strasburg two, Zimmerman three, Fister four, Geo five. All potential number one starters anywhere else they could go. I mean, how much better can you get? I mean, number number two question is: What do you do when you make the playoffs with that roster? That's, that's who do you put in, and who do you not put in the you playoffs? Your, four, your first four. I almost feel like we faced that that very scenario uh, last season, where you know it, it it was like, who do you put in? Rourke is you know Rourke's playing well, and I don't know. We're we're gonna find out, but I'm uh, I like the upside. I'm excited about that. So, I I I was hearing some rumblings that they were uh, might be having to get rid of or trade off Zimmerman. Because of there might be some like caps, like money caps or something like that. Well, is that right? Zimmerman becomes a free agent this year, and the way he's been playing, he's going to get money. Uh-huh. He may be looking at $180, $200 million type of money, I think, in my opinion, the way he's been pitching lately. And if you, the thing is, you're going to have Strasburg coming out in 2015, then you have Fister also next year. So you got to pick who you keep, who you go. So if you trade Zimmerman off now, you can get trade value for him, which, you know, the Nationals could use in, you know, late any relievers now that we got rid of uh, Tyler Clippard. Or you give him the money, and you potentially trade off Strasburg or Fister, which I may get butchered by Nats fans for this, but I'd rather trade Strasburg and keep Zimmerman and Fister both because I feel like if you trade Strasburg, I mean that's you know more millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that he's gonna want because he's Steven Strasburg. But I feel like Zimmerman is a better pitcher, and I feel like Fister, you know, he's doing better than Strasburg right now. So if the Nationals would trade Strasburg. 
I wouldn't have any issue with it. I don't know how you two feel. You two are baseball people like me, but I have no problem with them if they trade Strasburg this offseason. I mean, if it's if it's coming down to that where Strawberry's gonna leave, I mean I'll put him I'll put him to the bullpen, see what he can do there. Maybe he can he can He's he's not gonna want that. If you tell Strasburg he's going to the bullpen, he's gonna ask he's gonna demand maybe, to trade it. Maybe that'll help out his career. Give him like a little boost or something. I mean, but if you're gonna tell him to leave, he's probably gonna go he's probably gonna stick it to them, like sign me to a, another divisional rival. I wanna go there and do work. What do you think, Brad? Well, yeah, I think this season and you know the the specifically the first couple months of the season is going to be a show me sort of thing. You know, it's it. we're all good. You, you all are going to have to ele- elevate your performance now, so we we know where the weak link is. Uh, and if we need to get rid of that, then then we'll get rid of that. So uh, you know, right now the Nationals are in such a good position. We're, we're very deep at you know at pitcher and and we have lots of guys who can who can step up and have the potential to pitch you know one you know 1.5 ERA two ERAs uh, you know it's just a matter of who's going to do it. So I think the first couple months of the season is is the coaching staff looking at these guys saying, show me we know you're all good. Who's who is willing to elevate and take it to the next level uh, and and show why you deserve to stay on this elite rotation well after we signed Scherzer I went back and I averaged out the last three years not including Rourke because last year was his first full year and Rourke last year went 15 and 10 with a 2.85 ERA and he was a third in the Cy Young that's a third in the Cy Young voting last year he potentially could be moved to the bullpen but in the last three years Strasburg's been the worst pitcher out of all those other five people he's been the worst and I mean the only thing the only thing he has up for everyone is K's but even Scherzer's had a higher K average through year, and right now Strasburg's looking like the odd. I think he's not the odd man in. It's obviously going to be Rourke, but I mean, in terms of stats, I mean he's not the best right now. I mean, you can't really measure Rourke right now because, like I say, he only one year. But my thing with Rourke is here's the thing with him: if you move him to the bullpen, you just lost Tyler Clippard. Rourke used to be a reliever. Maybe you could put him in a setup role because I mean I know you have Jeremy Blevins who wasn't really that good last year. You have Matt Thornton, which is a lefty. You may need a right-hander to mitts in there. You have Aaron Barrett, who I hope will come on because I felt like you know watching he could be the potential closer. But now you have Storm back in there. Barrett may settle in the setup role, but I feel like Rourke could be used in that role and also middle reliever. He'll definitely be a long reliever in case any help. But you got to find a way to utilize Rourke. You can't just have him as a long reliever because a lot of these pitchers they have now. They can they have to go seven innings. These pitchers can't be out after five or six. But you have to find a way to utilize Rourke. I mean, middle reliever, setup man, they have to use Rourke. You can't just have him as a long reliever and have him pitch, you know, like once every seven days. He needs to be utilized. And I hope they do utilize him. Cause he's I mean, his story was also great. I mean, a minor leader guy just came up last year. You know, first full season, third in a Cy Young, like I said. They gotta find a way to utilize him, and it may be a setup role. But uh speaking of the bullpen, you lose Tyler Clippard. And Big loss. I was telling Brad and I told you, Guillermo, I didn't like it because if Storing gets hurt, this club is screwed, in my opinion. I mean, Clippard, I trust to go in and be a closer. Aaron Barrett hasn't proven himself. Thornton, you know, he has his up and downs. I mean, he's a hard throwing left hander, but I just feel like if Storing goes down, this team could be in trouble. Well, let's pray that doesn't happen. Because then you're going to be asking your starters to go finish complete games. Well, he, Storm's been healthy. What do you think about that, Brad? 
I, I think that is a predicament that that is that is scary and lingering over the Nationals' head. You know, I, I obviously I hope that they don't have to face that you know, scenario, but you know if they do, then yeah, it, you're going to look back at that trade with, you know with Clifford and scratch your head a little bit and say, uh, "Wow, wish we would have held on to him because now we're kind of oh, we're kind of put in a pinch." But, I mean, I do trust Rizzo. I mean, he's never done us wrong in terms of trade, so we'll see what happens. But Escobar, you know, he wasn't really a big name I thought they would get. I thought they would maybe get, like, Zubidis or something or maybe be able to re-sign Cabrera. He's not really a, you know, big-name guy. I mean, last year he hit for 258, seven home runs, 39 RBIs. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, like a Cabrera who can come in and maybe hit, like, a home run here and there. He's going to be bottom of the order, batting eighth, you know, right behind Ramos, Harper and Desmond. So hopefully this guy can bump because his career average is 276. So obviously he played well below that last year. So we're gonna need that two, 276 average. I don't need I don't need excuse me. I don't need Danny Espinosa numbers. I need someone better than that. So hopefully this trade works out to where we found a second baseman. And I mean, honestly, his glove wasn't the best either. I mean, he was losing range, they said from shortstop. So maybe moving the second will help him out. But God, I'm gonna miss Cabrera. I mean, even though he played for only half the season, that guy made a difference at second base. I mean, which with with adding Scherzer to the to the rotation. I mean, I read an article today saying they're the favorites, like they the candidates for favorites to win the, the World Series. If they if they have those five starters healthy throughout the whole season, I was like, going in, who do you think will be the first, like the starter, like if they make it to the World Series, who's going to be Game One? I mean, can you can you base it now, or do you have, like? I mean, wait during the season, yeah, of course, but like, who would you see right now having having a, a good season starting out one? If I had to pick one to be game one, Jordan Zimmerman for me. I'm picking Zimmerman. The what he did last season, the postseason, I would go Zimmerman, Brad. I mean, who would you go with a game one starter if you had a playoff game tomorrow night? That's that's so hard to say right now, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I know Zim had a, a great year last year. So does Scherzer. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'd probably be one of those two, unless somehow Strasburg starts pitching like like he was before. You know, before he hurt himself, obviously his ceiling is is very high. You know, we, we saw him when he first started, you know, coming into the league, and he was dominant. So we know this guy can can pitch at a very high level and can be. Know, completely dominant, and he's uh, been just, consistent over the past three years. Like it wasn't just two years ago when he won the Cy Young, and last year this guy's been consistent since he came in the league. And it's funny that not many people really knew about him till he won the Cy Young. He was, you know, he was under the radar, pitching well. He wasn't getting the recognition. Then once, you know, he had that twenty-one win season. It's like, whoa, this guy's for real. This guy's gonna make money. I mean, he turned down a hundred and forty million last year because he probably knew, hey, I'm gonna make more if I go one more season. Now as a free agent. And, Sure enough, he did. What did yeah. He, what did he end up getting? Two hundred ten million for seven years. But they're going to be paying him for fourteen, 14 years. Year. He, he asked for a fourteen year, like fifteen mil each year. Yeah. So he's getting fifteen mil for fourteen years. So this guy's going to be retired from <laughs> baseball and still making money. Sign me up. <laughs> quite yeah. The, no, he he's I, in good shape. Quite the retirement plan. I could take think? I could take a ball anytime. <laughs> Nationals hit me up. <laughs> That's a lot of cash, man. It is. I mean, I can think of a lot of things I can do with that cash. All right, but you have you have pitching now. I mean, now when I bats. saw, well, yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. The bats need to be awake. 
during playoff time. Like I said, the only bat we had, we only had two bats alive last postseason. That was Bryce Harper and that was Anthony Rendon. I tell you what, they want to pay someone, they bring it ready to pay Anthony Rendon they, they, money. They, yeah, I'm, Rendon. You know, Rendon's becoming, you know, you have Zip, Ryan Zimmerman as a face. Rendon's also becoming a little bit of the face of the franchise. I feel like when Ryan Zimmerman's time is done and he's retired, I feel like Rendon, not Strasburg, not Harper, it'll be Rendon that will become the new face of the franchise, in my own opinion, the way he's playing and the way he's loved by fans. I mean, what do you two think about that? Go ahead, Guillermo. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a silent, the silent creeper coming up. I mean, nobody, nobody like really knew to who he, who he was until like the minors and then started creeping up slowly and then had a couple of good games and then turned it into a good season just coming out of the minors and everything. Yeah, I see him. I see him as a future, a better, probably not a better future than Harper, like popularity wise, but like overall consistent, like 280, 280 hitter maybe, but will help out the team get get some W's in there. Yeah, no, I I, I like both your both your calls on that. You look at Rendon; his baseball IQ is out of the roof. He's an extremely good hitter. He's very patient. Uh, and his fielding is is fantastic. He's got a great arm. So very easily, that guy could lead this you know, this franchise, the Nationals, when Zimmerman's you know, time is up, and he could be the new face of the Nationals because his abilities are are out out of the roof, and his baseball IQ and awareness is is fantastic as well. I mean, he was the top hitter in that draft class. He was in the Nationals, somehow got lucky enough to get him. I mean, I'm surprised all these teams passed. I feel like the Nationals, they really know how to draft players. I mean, they drafted done a great job. They drafted uh, Lucas Giolito, who everyone passed on because of arm injuries. Now the guy's the top pitcher in the, in the minors. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another thing that people don't don't really seem to, why the Nationals aren't really concerned about losing pitchers if they can't sign them, is they have all these young pitchers in the minors that are you know, one or two years away from coming up. But when these pitchers come up, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, Giolito is projected to be a number one pitcher sooner or later. I mean, this guy, he's a hard thrower. I mean, he just came off Tommy John surgery. And I tell you what, the Nationals have do a really good job of rehabbing people yeah, with Tommy John Tommy surgery. John. I mean, they always come back stronger than ever. Brad? Uh, uh, no, that, that's a good call. You, you, you look at the Nationals and their farm system is, is, is top notch right now. The way that, that, we're able to draft and develop these players. You know, the, the Nationals could really, really make a massive charge in the next five years of presenting themselves in contention to win World Series and winning World Series. I mean, yeah, I mean, they got potential to do like what the Giants are doing and winning World Series constantly. You know, they're not every year, but, you know, Every once or three years, you know, you get in there and win the World Series. They potentially do that. They just, they need to get over that hump of the first round. And they need to get over the hump of not losing to the wild card team. That's two two playoff series in a row they've lost to the wild card team. And if they can get over, I feel like if they can get out of the first round and they get that confidence, it could be smooth sailing from there. I mean, that's what they need. They need the confidence of knowing, hey, we can get out of the first round. Right now, they don't have that confidence. As soon as they can get her out of the first round, the skies is the roof for this team. They, they've got the keys to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You got five great starters now. Just the bats got to wake up. And as soon as the bats wake up, yeah, I think they're one team not to mess with in the, in the playoffs. And I will, as much as I'm a Yankee fan, don't get me wrong, but I would love to see 
like a World Series in Washington. I, w- I would love to see that. I, every fan would love to see that. I think it would be good for uh, for Washington. Tell you what, I went to my first postseason game last year. It was uh, game one. You know, they lost. Draws were on the hill. You know, they lost the game. But I tell you what, the atmosphere of a playoff game here in Washington, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, last year we experimented with the Nationals. We experimented with the Wizards. It was amazing. I mean, all the fans in there. with the Redskins. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a while till we hear that again. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> A, a little while, at least. I had to take my shot at them. You know that. I mean, it was a, it was yeah, the same thing with the with the Wizards when when they had Gilbert and and Karan and and Jameson back to back to back seasons where they went to the playoffs, just couldn't get it over Cleveland. Last but year, the atmosphere they, the atmosphere year. was huge. I th- I think like like the Wizards this year they got a good chance, just like the Nationals got a good chance. So DC is rising. I think last year actually the Wizards when they played Indiana. I think they should have won that series. I think they let a couple of those games go. I mean, they gave Indiana all they could. I mean, they completely destroyed a Derrick Rose-less Chicago. Bulls. But Chicago, even with Derrick Rose, still don't look that good. But real quick, the Nationals, something I was reading on today since we talked about the setup man, is uh, Blake Trinan, who um, you know came in, does some starts. They're looking for him to be, the you know, could be a potential reliever setup man. Because, I mean, transition, I mean, from starter, transition from starter to reliever is actually hard because you have to go through different motions. So, he gets ready to start a game, it's completely different just from coming in and relieving. So, I mean, some of these pitchers, I mean, like Rourke, he'll have to transition to that, but I think he can do it because he already did it. But, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, pitchers and catchers are a month away from important. I tell you what, I'm excited. I'm getting ready for baseball season, man. Once Super Bowl season, looking good. Once two weeks is done, Super Bowl's over with, I'm in baseball mode. It's going to be fun. That's for sure. But what's going on right now is um, let's, you know, got our Wizards and we got our national talk. Let's talk a little Wizards here. I know both of you guys are basketball fans. We have a Spurs fan right across from me. Hey, Brad, didn't the Wizards just play Spurs last week? I think we did. I'm trying to remember how that game ended. I believe the Wizards won, wasn't it? That's right. They did, did win. Well, I think that was like their first win against the Spurs in like, what, maybe 10 years? Maybe. Oh, come on. Hey, come on. We'll take it. I, I mean, I've gone to every Spurs game against the Wizards for the last seven years, and they have not won one. Last year, when it took them to double overtime, for sure I thought the Spurs were going to lose. I mean, that was a great they, game. The Wizards, yeah, the Wizards put on a hell of a game. And yeah, just this year, they totally beat us. We, we, we didn't want to win. Like, clearly, turnovers, Ginobili turning over games, turning over the ball all the time, just. The the Wizards' future is looking really high right now. They are looking yeah, you, amazing. Yeah, you look at uh, you look at the Wizards versus the Spurs, and you, know, you look at the average age of <laughs> the starting <laughs> yeah. lineup, and uh, you know we're we're looking to get out and run. You know, our, our backcourt is is young and electric, and we're looking to speed the game up as, as best we can. And you know, Wall has really come into his own this year. Looks like finally his his body is, or his, his mind is catching up with his body and he can, he can put it all together because uh, he was, he's always been fast. It's just, you know, he's kind of been wild with it. Uh, and this year it looks like finally he's under control and, and everything's working and Beal is, is knocking down shots. The Butler has been a great emergence for us. And then Nene and Gortat constantly giving us good minutes. Humphreys, leadership of Humphreys and Pierce off the bench. Well, the Wizards are, are a Don't great Don't worry about Rashul Butler, who's coming out of nowhere and being a great oh, that's, that's sits man. I said that. Yeah, he mentioned him. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, the Wizards the, the Wizards are in great shape right now, and uh, they are on the rise. 
You know, they, they got young players who are, uh, who are playing at a high level already, which is exciting. And then you look at the Spurs where they've had tons of success. You know, Guillermo, you, you mentioned how they do beat us on a routine basis, but now that they're getting a little bit older, their, their studs are, are, are kind of falling off a little bit. You know, not that I won't still credit with Parker and, and Duncan Ginobili as being some of the best in the league. They still are. Uh, but you just look at them, body type, abilities now compared to Wall and Beal and Nene and Gortat. And, and, you know, everyone has to deal with father time. And it looks like, yeah. it looks like the Spurs are just getting a little bit older and, and don't, don't maybe have what it takes to get over that edge anymore. Also, another thing about the Wizards this year is what I'm noticing is, you know, last year and, you know, the past couple of years when they would lose a game, you would see them go on a losing streak. This year, they would lose a game and they'll come right back and win two, three, or four games. I mean, they had the three-game losing streak they had where they lost, they got blown out by Dallas, kept it really close against OKC, kept it close against the Spurs the first game, Spurs got away, but then they lost three in a row, and then what they do? They won three in a row again. Then they went. Then they lost, win two, they lost, and they now just won two. So, I mean, the thing is, they're not having really big losing streaks. I mean, they may have, you know, the one where they had three, may have a two-game one, but then they win two, three, or four in a row, and that's just the really big difference is they're losing but they're not getting down themselves. They're like, all right, you know, we can get back and do this. I mean, this is a different... I mean, this team, I think, is better than the team where Gilbert was on, to be honest. With Karan, you had Karan Butler, you had Antoine Jameson. I think this team is better than that one. You know, the the that's a big deal for, like, a fringe fan like myself where, like, I, I don't really follow them, but I'll watch it every once in a while. If they're losing consistently, like, after, like, two or three games, I check out for yeah. a little while until maybe they start, you know... Uh, winning again, but for them to be able to do that, you know, it kind of keeps a fringe fan like myself to just, you know, keep on them or keep watching or just kind of, you know, I don't know, just kind of uh, spe- piques my interest a little bit more when they are winning for sure. I mean, duh. I mean, obviously what doesn't, but. Well, the first game of the year where they lost Miami 107 95, I'm like, great. They have all this talent. And here we go again. And then they. Well, they got to work, work on the chemistry. Yeah. But mm. then they won four in a row and they lost to Toronto, won three in a row. Lost to Dallas and they won two in a row and they beat Cleveland. I think I think like what Brad said about Paul Pierce's leadership. I think that's what oh yeah that's what's changing them from going three game losing streak and actually winning three or four. They're not missing a. Re- I mean I hate to say it, but I, th- I think they're not Pierce's, missing a reason. Yeah, I think. Oh no, they're not missing a reason. Yeah, you, you got Butler who's like forty percent from three. You got Chris Humphreys who gives you at least like a good ten points, like on a, on like a constant basis, and then you got an MVP caliber John Wall, who. Like it's basically like Gilbert Arenas from the back back in the old days. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're trying to say with this team being better than the team before. I mean, I'm all I'm all hands up for it. I think I think yeah, I think this team could be better than than the big three that we had a couple years ago. If you two may agree with me, you know what game I have circled on my calendar right now, looking at the schedule. It's a month from now, but February 24th they play Golden, Golden State. State. I am looking forward to that game to see what they do against Golden State because that will be. Golden State, I believe they're number one in the West. Yeah, and you got number two in the East, Wizards. This and should be like this will be a good matchup to see what they are, how they are. I would I would love to see. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, go ahead, Paul. No, you can go, Fred. Go, bro. Okay, um, you know, you, you look at a team like Golden State, and and they're they're high flying. You know, they are they are. Very fast, and they score in bunches really quick. You know, between uh, between Curry knocking down shots, 
uh, and just they, they get scoring from everywhere. You know, the, the Wizards, I don't think, put up as many points as Golden State. I think I think we are a little bit more of a defensively and half court uh, oriented type of, of team. Not that we can't get out and run, we do, but I don't think we do as much as as Thompson and Curry. You know, they they really like to get out and run. We we try and maintain possessions a little bit more. So it's going to be interesting to see. If we can slow the game down for them or if they can try and pick the game up for us and get us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, because the Warriors, they do play that that quick and tempo, fast uh, West Coast com- uh, offense. And, yeah, if you, st- if you stop, like, stop their play and slow it down and everything, and Curry and, and Clay Thompson are going to get frustrated and they're like, no, we, we want to go fast. We want to do this. We want to do that. I mean, either way, I think John Wall can can hang with Steph Curry going. I was about to say that's the good thing about having John Wall fast his, breaks and everything. And his speed is he can he can get up and down the court pretty quick. So if Sturry, you know, Curry tries to get on the breakaway, I believe Wall can hunt him down and get him. True, but, but the the main thing I'm thinking of is uh, is more of a coaching standpoint where if you can limit the amount of possessions they have by slowing down the game so they can't just be jacking yeah. up, you yeah. know, shot, shot after shot after shot, slow them down, limit their possessions, make it so that you don't have to score as much, that they don't have as many op- opportunities to score, you can give yourself a better chance to win the, the, the ball game. So, I mean, let's just hope the Wizards can keep this going from here on out. I mean, they're 29 to 13. I mean, if they can keep us going, we could be t- potentially having an NBA Finals in Washington. I mean, I'm, I'm calling it right now. They're they're not falling below fourth place. And who would have thought? I think, I think they're going to be top two throughout the whole season. Who would have thought five years ago if you told if you told someone said, "Oh, you know who's going to be the first team in DC to reach a Finals? The Wizards." They probably looked at you and called you stupid and crazy. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chad. I always told myself that the first team in DC, the next team to win a title in DC, would be the Nationals. Potentially, it's right now. It's looking the Wizards or the Nationals. You know, I mean, no one believed in the Nationals five years ago when they had back-to-back hundred lost seasons. Now look at them and look at the Wizards. I mean, they had a couple years in a row. They had top five pits a couple years in a row. Now look at them. They're the Nash. I mean, the Wizards are almost following what the Nationals are doing. They're coming from the gutter and coming back on top right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Dan Schneider as their owner. So. <laughs> well, maybe maybe uh, maybe Danny Boy should learn from uh, the learners. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need to learn. He just needs to sell that team quickly and find an owner who will let the team do what they want to do. I actually have a question That'll for never you. Happen. I have a question for you too. They brought this up on a radio show I listened to. They said if you can get rid of Dan Snyder, but the only way to get rid of Dan Snyder is if the team moves to Los Angeles and you don't have a team in DC for three years. But in three years, you get an expansion team with a new owner, no Dan Snyder. Would you do it? Would you sacrifice football in three years for three years to get rid of Dan Snyder? Would you two do it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, as quick as his answer, yeah, I would do it too. <laughs> well, I mean, the way that the Redskins are going right now, I think it's like, you know. I think every single Redskins fan wants Snyder out of there. In those three years, what he's, team would you He's trying to compete for? with Jerry Jones, and it's not happening. Sorry, it's Jerry not Jones happen. is a smarter owner. I hate yeah, to he, say he it. He just won, what was it, uh, the executive personnel yep. of the year? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Clearly, clearly, he's beating Snyder. Who would you guys root for if you didn't have the Redskins here for three years? Did I say the Ravens? Did I dare I say that? I would either go Seattle or or uh, Green Bay. Seattle because I love I love defensive teams, and in Green Bay I've always been a uh, Aaron Rodgers fan from California. Brad, who would you root for? I mean, if you're gonna throw me on the spot, I, I guess I'll <laughs> I'll quickly throw something together. 
you know, I, I've always I've, I've always been a Niners fan since I was young. I, I always respected Jerry Rice and and uh, you know loved watching him as a receiver. And it was just it was fun watching that team play. Uh, and I and I I personally was a fan of of Kaepernick and and uh, I, I guess I would maybe say the Niners. You know, staying on the top of the Redskins, I guess we can go a little area team football talk. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> Is you know it amazes me. How the Redskins drove through so many quarterbacks, but all these other teams will find gems in the third and fourth round. I mean, you got Russell Wilson who went late, Colin Kaepernick who went late. I mean, it just it blows my mind that they've wasted all these pits on these top quarterbacks and nothing has panned out. But all these other teams are taking quarterbacks late and they're superstars. It it amazes I mean, it's, me. You just gotta you gotta look at it like Alfred Morris, a, a, a college that nobody knew of or heard of, and he more hardworking than all the quarterbacks combined. You had Colt McCoy, who at, at uh, Texas did he had an okay career, and then couldn't cut it in Cleveland. You had Kirk Cousins, who had a a heck of a college career, and then you have RG three, who was injury, like <laughs> he had an injury history. Uh, yeah, he won Heisman. I was like, but I was like, that's that's college. I mean, look at all the Heisman's that that have won and gone and gone into the NFL that have had good careers. Can we all agree about speaking of Aaron Rodgers? What really helped him out was probably sitting behind Brett Favre for those years. I think he learned a lot from Brett Favre, and I mean, he he wasn't a guy who came in and started right away. I mean, he it was like what three or four years before he, he got it. Four, because yeah, four, right? As far I mean, wanted to delay his uh, retirement. There's a handful of quarterbacks that you'd probably want to be behind on the bench <laughs> and have a you know a quarterback in front of you, and Brett Favre is probably definitely one of them. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure he. His, it would have been a different career for him if he didn't sit behind him for that long. I think you go, uh, you go. go ahead. Matt, I got something for you. Yeah. Keep this keep this one on your radar. You look at Rodgers and his skill sets, uh, sitting behind Favre, able to to be mentored and look at how successful he is now. You look at a guy like Garoppolo, who right now is behind Brady learning things. And he's going to take over an organization that's extremely well run when Brady's gone. Look for this kid to really em- emerge himself. Uh, I think he's got similar skill sets to Rodgers. And with training that he's getting from Brady uh, in that Patriots organization, look for him to be uh, pretty successful. I'll, I'll go on a limb and say this kid could be uh, something very, very special. Well, it's yeah. like Ryan Mallett when he got traded to Houston. Everyone thought you know he was going to be good in Houston. I mean, he got hurt. But I'm really interested to see what Ryan Mallett does next year if he gets a chance in Houston being behind Brady for sure. those years. That's true. That's interesting to, to see. Yeah, it's another story. Y'all really want to be upset. I'm interested to see what Peyton Manning is going to do with uh, with with his backup. You guys had the pick behind the Packers. They took Aaron Rodgers. Who'd you all take with that pick? Do you all know? I'm looking at it right now, and it's making me laugh. Wait, what year was this? 2005. Uh, you were one pick away from Aaron Rodgers, and you didn't get him. So you all took Jason Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Best oh, no. best draft pick ever. <laughs> you can look back on a lot of stuff that the kids have done to laugh. So, <laughs> I, I will give the Redskins some credit to where they they do end up finding at least one or two people in the draft. I mean, last year they found Brashard Breeland, who turned out to be a very good draft pick. Uh, yeah. I think he'll be. I think he'll take over the number one, number two role. You know, once Hall is gone, but just Emerson just he just fell apart this year. I don't know what happened. I mean, Emerson they thought was going to be the guy to take over for D'Angelo Hall, and he just wasn't that guy. I mean, we we got holes everywhere. Like yeah, this year is is just a scratch. 
no one was able to play their best because no one was playing their best. I mean, everyone on the team wasn't playing to their full potential. And so it's, it's not like you could pick up a down man this year. You know, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that none of our guys had a, a really good year. If there's anyone I can think of that had a good year, it would have to be Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's the only guy. Well, this is specifically on the defensive end. Uh, you know, but our safeties had very big problems giving up big plays. Even our even our cornerbacks. You know, you need to play as a unit, and and no one brought their A game, and so everyone ended up being. Uh, you know, D or C looking players because, you know, no one was able to pick up anyone else's slack because everyone was slacking. You know, it's funny you bring up Kerrigan, you know, he was probably the best player on that Redskins, probably team, not just defense team. And you look uh, at Arakbo, who Arakbo, who thought everyone should have so much potential. Thank God you all didn't put the money out. But you know, the other thing I find funny about the Redskins is, is once a player leaves, they seem to do better. Carlos Rogers left, went to the 49ers and couldn't catch a cold with the Redskins, but somehow led the league in interceptions a year after he left the Redskins. So as a Titans fan, we need defensive uh, help. I wouldn't mind a rat bow because seeing the track of what happened when the Redskins players when they leave, he'd probably have a career year with us. I see. I mean, he, get, he, he gets hurt all the time. So it's up to you, yeah. Shai. I, I see a rat <laughs> going to like the Raiders or something. They'll probably give him a lot of money. I don't think he deserves to be paid. Uh, no, I know. I agree with you, but yeah, he had that one good year and then, downhill since then it, you know it's funny you know you hear on the radio all these radio hosts say oh this guy has potential he's young you know but it seems like washington has a finds a way to screw up young talent like they somehow just just take a player that has so much potential and just screw him up i'm tired of it i'm done that's i can't even watch the games anymore i've said that for like 10 i mean years. what do you think i mean brad <laughs> do you agree with that statement or no i i do and it's very frustrating as a Skins fan, I mean, you could give us Brady or Rodgers right now, and I guarantee we'll win five games. I mean, that that's just the way lo- losing is a – it's become a thing for the Redskins, sadly. We, we need to find either an owner, something. I mean, we made, we've made a lot of changes this year, which is great. We need to find some way to make winning more of a mentality in D.C. and not losing – you know, such an okay thing. I feel like we're content with being losers. And uh, it, it's not a good thing. It's disgusting. And as a fan, you're kind of just like, when is this bug going to go away? You know, when are we going to not like be sick and, and not be losers? When are we going to start saying, hey, look, we're the Redskins. Let's go out there and win football games. Everybody. Not you know, not just RG3 in the public. Not just whomever. Iraq Poe. You know, let's make this a unit. Let's make winning a habit. Let's bring back some kind of pride to the D.C. area and the Skins. But you don't see it right now. You just don't. In your two's, in your two's uh, opinion, who's the starting quarterback week one? R.G. That, that's a tough one. I mean, I I love R.G. 3, but I've followed Kirk Cousins ever since college. I just think he gives us a better chance, but if he can read the defenses better... Because a couple of those passes that he had, he threw them right to the the, the the safety or corner. If you can read the defenses, I will have him as as the starter. Yeah, I mean, now you guys have the fifth pick in the draft. As Redskins fans, all three of you, especially Guillermo and Brad, 
who do you guys want them to take at that fifth pick? Not in terms of players, but in terms of positions. What do you guys want them to take? If you guys, if you were the GM or the owner, what position do you guys want on your team? Don't go with, you know, who's the best player in the draft. Go with what you guys need. Uh, first, let's go with you, Brad. Defensive back. Uh, it, it sickens me that we give up so many big plays through the air. This is a passing league. <clears throat> the way you win Super Bowls is by making it not a passing league. You look at Seattle. They have the best secondary in the NFL. They win Super Bowls. And their offense is, let's just say bad. We saw them play yeah. against Green Bay. <laughs> their offense is bad. But guess what? This is a passing league. So, And Cleveland is doing the same thing. Their secondary is going to be incredible because they're putting together a great defensive secondary between Hayden and some of their other pickups that they had uh, this year. They're going to be in very good shape to stop people from passing. So the Skins have to get on this kind of boat, in my opinion, and this kind of trend, which is take defensive backs because it's a stud quarterback run league. So if you can shut down their stud, you can take control of the game. So I want us to take defensive backs. Guillermo? It's tough because, like like Brad said, we got so many holes in our in our team. Um. Yeah, corners, safeties, uh, linebackers as well. I mean, Perry Riley had a good year, but like, he was made out to be the next like London Fletcher to take over. Robinson had a good year too. Keenan Robinson yeah, had Keenan, a really good year. Keenan but. had a good year too. Um, I think I think offensive line. We just got to give RG three or Kirk Cousins time to 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 throw the ball and not have RG three use his legs. Like that one game against Jacksonville, he used his legs and he ended up shattering his ankle. I, I think offensive line, some somebody on the opposite side of uh, Trent Williams to help him out. I think I think the center's fine and and the guards are good and just tackles. I think we need set. Mm. Now, yeah, from, wouldn't from, mind that either. For my team, I have the second pick in the draft. You know, Tennessee Titans. We had a horrible year. I mean, for God's sake, we lost to the restaurants. You can't get any worse than that. <laughs> yeah, you got a tougher decision now. I mean, obviously you, go... you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, for us, for my team personally, I'm gonna talk about them for a minute. Um, everyone's saying we should go Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. I, me and Brad both agree. We watch SEC, you know, on TV. They're the most watched college football t- football uh, conference TV. I love Zach Menberger. He's big. He's strong. He has a strong arm. I would like to let him go for a year. I think we need a defensive end for our team because we got, I mean, running backs destroyed our team last year. I mean, DeMarco Murray destroyed us. Alfred Morris had runs on us. I mean, I think we need defensive players, my honesty. I mean, if we take Mariota or Winston, why be upset? Eh, maybe not. Maybe they'll pin out. But honestly, I want my team to get some defensive help because our defense, where you guys couldn't stop the pass, we couldn't stop the run. So it's like our defense are switched up. And um, speaking of the draft, number one pick. Who do y'all think it's going? Who do you think is going to be taken? Number one. Let's go with you first, Brad. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, even though I, I think this kid could, could really get over some of his distractions, I'll, I'll say. I, I won't say mental problems, but Jameis Winston, I think, has the most put together skill set right now and ready to win right now. 
Uh, you know, you look at his size, his ability to break down defenses, uh, you know, fitting balls in tight windows. His accuracy is very good. I think he's going to go number one. But it's just a matter of can he get his head on straight and grow up, I, I guess for, for lack of a better word, grow up and realize the talent that you are and the responsibility that goes along with being this great talent. I still think Jameis Winston will go number one. Guillermo? Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Brad. I think Winston, out of, the, out of him and Mariota, I think he's more football ready in a professional <laughs> level. Um, pocket passer, he's, he's better. And just on the, the, the divisions that he was in, ACC is like a defensive type. The Oregon's division, the SEC, there's no defense involved. I mean, they're blowing out teams like 66 nothing, 66-10 maybe. No defense involved whatsoever. I, th- I think, yeah, I think Winston has the best chance to, to be the number one pick just because it's football, football ready, IQ ready. And he's got the heart. He's got the heart to, uh, to go out there and play every day. But I agree with you with his uh, off-field issues. If he straighten them up, he should be a good quarterback in the future. Um, I agree with both of you. I mean, you can work on off-field issues. As long as you have the right coach, the right teammates, you can work on that. I think Winston will go number one to Tampa Bay. And he'll draw a crowd in Tampa Bay. I mean, he played at Florida State. I mean, he's, I mean, he's almost basically right in your backyard. I mean, he'll draw a crowd in theirs. And then the question after that is, Tennessee would be the liable choice for Marcus Mariota if he would get selected in the first in the first three pits. If Tennessee goes like I hope, defensive player, Jacksonville, they don't need a quarterback. Oakland has Carr, they don't need a quarterback. The Redskins, God forbid, they take Marcus Mariota. I doubt it. And then you come down to the Jets at number six, and you're thinking Marcus Mariota could go to the Jets, but for some reason the Jets would of course pass on Marcus Mariota, and they take someone else, which I don't think they would. I think that's the liable choice for him would be the Jets and need a quarterback. I mean. You're looking at him to potentially drop drastically if the Jets don't take him. Because you got after the Jets, you're going to have the Bears. They don't need anyone. Falcons, no. Giants, no. Rams at number ten could could look uh, at Marcus I Mariota. Mean, you have Davis and you have Hill. You do. I think I think Bradford if he if he blows it up this year, if he if he gets injured again, I think he's done. And that's sad. That's a sad story. I think Bradford was one heck of a, a quarterback. What do you think? Injury about prone. Brad, what do you think about that? If the Jets pass on him, the Rams at number 10, looking at Marcus Mariota for a quarterback. Hmm. Let me, let me dissect the Rams. Uh, the Rams are a very good defensive team. Obviously, you know, that they, they elevated their play on the defensive end this year, showing that, you know, even when their offense has their quarterback go out, you know, Stacy isn't running the way he's supposed to, you know, that they can still keep their team in football games. But will Mariota really help them that much? I mean, Davis, Davis looked, he looked pretty good and he's young. You know, he, he had signs of, of greatness uh, and he's young. I think you can, I don't think Mariota would be a bad pick for them at that at that spot, but I think they can get more for their team if they go in another direction. I think quarterback isn't necessarily their biggest, biggest issue. Uh, I think they do need some offensive line help. Uh, I, I would go in that direction. I think that's more beneficial to their organization than uh, having another quarterback. Problem is there is if the Rams or the Jets don't take them, there's really no one else that I can think of taking someone, but 
a dark horse for a quarterback in the first round that I've been reading reports about, you know, first, second, third round are the Saints. The Saints have already came out in public said they're looking for their replacement for Drew Brees. Drew Brees is winding down his career. We all saw that in his play last year. Yeah. And they're looking for a replacement for him to start developing someone. Could the Saints take someone like a Marcus Marriott in the first round, have him sit behind Drew Brees for the next two or three years and develop into a top quarterback in the league? Could the Saints do that? And could would that benefit Marcus Mariota if a team like that would take him in the first round? What pick is the Saints? They're at 13. I mean, what are your two thoughts of that? I mean, the Saints have already come out and said they want to start developing for a future quarterback. And could Mariota be that future? Because he's not going to play right away with the Saints, obviously. He'll sit behind Brees. And could that, you know, could that be like a Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre type of situation? I mean, I could, I could see, I mean, the past couple of drafts, I could see Mariota like in the top 20. Like he'll fall, he'll fall drastically into the draft line. Um, did that with Geno Smith. Did that with, um, was that one quarterback that was like sitting there for like a long time? In the Bridgewater. Waiting. Bridgewater, it was another one. And then you had a like another two quarterbacks that were highly highly like put up there to to do good in, in the NFL and they just got drafted in like twenty second, I think, or twenty fifth or something like that. Um uh, it wouldn't be a bad pick to to put him in, in Drew Brees' shoes. I mean, Drew Brees is like I think like four inches smaller than he is or five inches. He can he can like look over the Offensive line, just you got to get him into a pocket passer like like Breeze was. I, th- I think Mariota uh, Mariota needs to work on that first. And I think they're gonna uh, if they draft him. I mean, they can work with him on that. We learned from Drew Breeze was one of the best. How tall is that dude? Mariota, I think he's like what five eleven, six foot. No, he's he's like six two. He's tall. Yeah, yeah, he's around there. Oh, okay, yeah. Brad, what do you think about the idea for the Saints? Let's see. If I'm the Saints and I look back on my season, wow, we were horrible. But wait, we almost won our division, even though we were absolutely <laughs> terrible. So, so I I see no reason to not take this stud kid at that spot because even though you were pretty bad this year, your division isn't anything that that you can't possibly go out and win next year with not not realistically adding anything. Yeah, I think it would be foolish of them to not take him at that spot because they can put together the same exact team that they had this year and win one or two more games and go to the playoffs. So if I was them, I think it would be absolutely wrong to pass on, on that kid at that spot. There's, there's no reason to address anything else on your team because that division isn't offering much competition against you. By the way, Mariota sits for, Six four. Yeah. yeah so he's so if you see him drop, you don't see him dropping past the Saints. Then. Well, here's here's the thing with the Saints. I mean, Drew Brees. How many hits has he taken? A lot. I mean, this year, but past few years, Not he's barely barely got no. touched because he gets it out quick. He's he's basically like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning gets it out as quick as possible and doesn't get hit to to prolong his uh, career. I think I think the Saints need to go defense because they had one of the the worst defenses. And to still almost win a division, like Brad said, to win a division with with a terrible defense and a and an average offense, I, I think they need to go defense first. See, see, but Guillermo, do you do you not think they can maybe get some kind of impact defensive player with their second pick? Do you do you think it would be that much 
bigger to get someone at 13? Is there that much better of a defensive player than, than something you can get in the second round? I mean, if you look at Mariota versus a second-round quarterback, I'd say that gap is going to be a lot bigger than possibly the defensive player that you're going after in the first round and in the second round. So, I mean, you, know, you, you have to weigh that option. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's a huge, huge, uh, huge thing to go through. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much talk about Mariota not football ready and everything, and like coming off a of Heisman. I mean, last one to do that was what RG three. He had a good rookie year, and then like downhill hasn't been hasn't been the same since. I, I know I know where you're coming from. I think Mariota is the best thing, and yeah, they had to be stupid not to pick him up as that to, as a replacement for uh, Drew Brees. I just I just see they need like as much help as the, on the defensive side as they do with uh, the future of who's running the, the offense. You're right. They do need some big time defensive help. I mean, just look at Rob Ryan in his face. <laughs> I just, I mean, I just don't see if Mariota's there at that pick. I don't see them passing up on him because I just feel like if you give him the time to develop, he could probably be potentially be a, one of the best quarterbacks with his mobility. I think he'll, he, he's a quarterback that can't start right away. Mariota can't come in and just start. I know, yeah. He'll, he'll, he's, he'll, he'll take at least a couple, maybe three years, four years to learn the system and everything. But then the next thing is if that team passes on him, there's really nowhere else for him to go except for old Mr. Chip Kelly, who came out today and said that he's going to try to trade up to get Marcus Mariota. Well, that would be... That'd be the dumbest yeah, thing. Yeah, the dumbest thing ever. I mean, you got a good quarterback in Nick Foles, and you got the Sanchez's a good backup, and he fit that he's system. <laughs> he fit that system. So I think they're, I think they're set a quarterback for a couple years. By the way, all you Mark Sanchez haters that are Jets fans... Yeah, he basically just proved that it wasn't him. It was the Jets team that was not that good. I think it was Rex Ryan. Yeah, Rex. Well, we'll see what happens where Rex in Buffalo. I saw a, that that someone made a joke that Rex Ryan thought Buffalo was for Buffalo Wild Wings and not for Buffalo Bills. That John Caliendo went there. The yeah. Frank Caliendo thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Buffalo. Wink. <laughs> funny. I think Buffalo is actually going to do pretty good this year with them. I and mean, they already had a good defense. They, and they, they have him in defense. there. They have a good defense. Okay, but Shipe, let me ask you this. As a sports fan, wouldn't you be very interested to see a Philadelphia team with Chip Kelly and with Mariota? Like, that, oh, would, be I, that would be fun. a storyline. That'd be, that'd be a fun storyline to cover. I would love it. I mean, he's reunited with Chip Kelly, who knows what he can do. And I think that, I think that offense would actually fit Mariota's skill set since he's already run it. Yeah, it'll be fast paced, and then you got another runner in Mariota. How many quarterbacks come out of college and can go right back to an offense they were running in college? Not many. I mean, he's literally going to go to an NFL team where he already he doesn't he doesn't even need the playbook. Chip Kelly, do you need the playbook? (laughs) Nah, coach, I still got it from two years ago. I'm good. It's still in my head. I got it. I'll lead you to undefeated season. (laughs) I, I think if somehow that could that could happen. I would become a little bit of a of a Philly fan just for the excitement, not not, not because I want to see them succeed, but just for the 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 sheer fun, excitement, and uppaceness that that would go with that quarterback. I think that would be a very dangerous team, to be honest with you, with that with him and that his old system. It'd be a dangerous team, I think. They're extremely. I mean, their defense proved that they can get a lot of turnovers. Special teams played at a high level. You know, it's a shame that Foles got hurt. Uh, who who knows if they would have been better or worse? I mean, you got, you got to give Sanchez credit for coming yeah. in and 
given a great effort. I mean, Sanchez had a great season. You know, Dallas played uh, really well, uh, enough to, to, to oust Philly uh, in that one divisional game. Uh, so who, who knows what would have happened. But in terms of the way Philly is set up, defense is ready to play. Special teams is ready to play. Just a shame they weren't fully uh, healthy on offense. Otherwise, uh, who knows? Well, we'll have to wait till next year. I mean, yep. really, after the Super Bowl, the next big thing for the NFL is the draft for teams like the Redskins for the Titans. That's, yeah. We've been looking forward to that since week 10. Was it countdown 100 days from right now? Shai? 99. 99. 99 until the draft. And one month till pitchers and catchers report. So I'm looking more forward to pitchers and catchers. Okay. But you know it should be it should be interesting off season. You know the combine. I'm gonna pay special special attention to the combine and seeing who goes. You know, hopefully all these quarterbacks will go and not just the pro day because I actually like watch them. The pro day you really don't get to watch them much, but I like how yeah. the NFL Network covers the NFL combine. <laughs> but um, we'll see what happens from there. I mean, April 30th, round one. You, th- you think days. you think if Winston or uh, Mariota got the invite to throw at the combine, would they? Or would they wait just for the pro days? I hope they do. I don't like quarterbacks to skip the combine. I want to watch them throw. I don't want to. You know, honestly, I, I think because it's not a sure thing, I would I would be thinking they want every opportunity to try and prove themselves, especially a guy like Mariota, yeah. who everyone's kind of wondering, you know, is it just your system that makes you so good? I, I would think they want to try and capitalize on those opportunities to prove their ability. So I, I would say yes. Well, the Combine's February 17th to the 23rd, so we'll find out. And the Senior Bowl's coming up pretty soon, January 24th, so we'll see what goes on there. So, um, I mean, a lot of, not just the Super Bowl, but still a couple more big NFL dates until training camp next year. Got free agency coming around. There's going to be a lot of good free agents there on the market. We'll have to see who re-signs and who goes somewhere, so it's pretty exciting for the NFL. Yeah, Mm -hmm. especially for the unrestricted free agents. You got names like Des Bryant and DeMarco Murray. They have already said no that they're not going to sign. Julius Thomas. They want. They need their money. I think they 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 deserve the money, especially Des. For some reason, though, I still feel like with all the sports and all their free agency and all that stuff, for some reason, I feel like baseball still excites me the more. I mean, like you just had. I feel like you, it's just. I don't know why. I like. I, the, I, don't know how I love the winter can, meetings. I don't know how people can say that. Like baseball is boring. Like even even to watch. They like, have the best free agency. Have the best trade deadline. Is baseball? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Brad, what do you think about that? Uh, I I agree. I I think baseball is a great sport. I know it it loses a little pizzazz against the NBA and the NFL because there's not as much scoring. But in terms of like the game, if you respect the game and what it's all about, it's it, it's still incredible. It, it it is still absolutely exciting to to every extent. And going to baseball games is one of the greatest experiences that uh, that that you can do as a sports fan. It's just so much fun going to baseball games. I agree with you there. Told you what, the best game I went to was the playoff game last year. The atmosphere is amazing. I mean, I it went, got it got cold that night, didn't it, Shai? It did towards the end. <laughs> I was there. You went to game one. That wasn't that the uh, the sixteen inning. No, 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 no. Game one's when uh, the no, 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 no. That was game two. How could that be game two? We had we had a home. Yeah, game one and two were at home. Oh, that was two at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You were at the 16 inning game? Yes, I was at the 16 inning. Please tell me you were the one of the fans that stayed through the whole thing. I did. Thank yep. God. I was in sandals and shorts, and it got down like 42 degrees. I was like, this is a bad idea. What, I <laughs> guess what, what, you, didn't, you didn't count on it to go that long? What, what pissed me off was, I mean, you got a 16-game inning, 
or 16 inning game and you leave after the 14th. You you stay an extra five innings, but yeah, you're going to leave after that. Yeah, why? Wait for another two innings. There's no point. Something happen. Stay. Yeah. You want to hear something funny though? In my game for game one, there's some guy walking up and down the aisles in Seattle Seahawks gear. He has a 12th man little foam finger. He had a Richard Sherman jersey, hard hat. I'm like, what are you doing here, man? Why? Why are you doing? I guess he did just to get a laugh out of everyone, but it was just weird. There's always fans like that. I mean, <laughs> I, it was it was uh Philly versus uh Washington that I went to. One dude had. A Cowboys jersey on. Oh, yeah. Took it off and he had an Eagles jersey under it. <laughs> like, how, how how does that work? I mean... It's like the guy who shows up the rest in training camp wearing a Cowboys jersey. Like, what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, there always well, has to be that one, that one guy. Like, uh, there was a guy with, with the the Lions jersey and then he had like a Green Bay jersey. And there was one guy at a training camp two years ago had an Adrian Peterson jersey. I'm like, where... I was like, you know we're in Washington, right? Virginia. Did he have a kid with him? No, he was just walking okay. by himself. I'm like, <laughs> terrible, terrible shite. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, I think that's what's going to do it for today. Uh, we had a great show. Um, Paul, thanks for producing the show and everything you do, man. It's amazing what you've done today. Yeah, Thank awesome. You. Yeah. yeah, no problem. I just I want to remind everybody that you can uh, pick up the show on Stitcher. So www.stitcher.com and just search for the Shipe, um, Shipe Sports Talk um, and it'll pop right up. So add us and give us a review. And also on iTunes, you'll be able to pick up the show there as well. So give us a, a great review as well. I'm sure Matt and the rest of the guys will love it. Um, let's see the website, www.shipesportstalk.com. You can stream the podcast from there. And uh, pick up the RSS feed if you want to add it to your uh, your podcast, whatever, however you do that. So, but yeah. And I just want to say that Paul runs all the streams. He runs all the websites. So a big thanks to him for being able to do all this. Also, thank to Brad for joining us through Skype from his uh, work, I guess, kind of type thing. Thank you, guys. It was, uh, it was great being on the show, Shai. Thank you. And uh, Guillermo, thank you for joining us today in studio. Thank you for having me. Um, our next show will be, we're going to change it up next week. We're going to start doing the shows on Thursday. So our show next week will be on Thursday at 6.45 p.m., same time, different day. We'll be going over the Super Bowl preview, maybe getting some more NBA, some more uh, baseball talk. If anything else happens, I mean, who knows? We could see some trades from now until then. So until then, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great evening.